I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Well, basically, songs about pussy juice, wet, dripping, and and in the French, you have you have you have a word for pussy juice, which is cyprine, which I think is super cute. Wait, I gotta write and that so, down. Cyprine, so it's C Y P R I N E, and I love using that word because yeah. it's just so pretty. Cyprine. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Bonjour and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast for the Queen du Monde. Je m'appelle Caroline Bergier. Ah, je m'appelle Melody Kamali, and today we are diking out with musician Melissa Laveau about gay Paris. Ooh la la! <laughs> All of our French listeners have turned off the I podcast know. right now. So sorry. I have exposed myself as a fraudulent French person for as much as I talk about my citizenship. My French is atrocious. <laughs> there you go. Bon, well, um, what's up? Some announcements? Do we have announcements today? Why not? Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, support us on Patreon, and Melody, tell us about this algorithm. I just learned about the Instagram algorithm and that, you know, likes can only go so far. I'm seeing this infographic basically being shared around Instagram. I don't know if you've seen it, but it says, you know, to show support for your favorite creators and boost them in the algorithm, you have to save the post first. Like that's the super like. It's like that's oh. the most important, right? And then to share it. 
to your stories or to someone else. And then a comment is valuable under that. And then the least valuable is a like. So I did some more digging and I saw that people are actually creating saved folders called a tip jar. And it's kind of just like this one folder you can save things to that you won't necessarily check, but you're just giving these like super likes and helping out your favorite creators. And I know we have our beautiful illustrations on our feed. It's unfortunately like not conducive for the machine that is Facebook. Are you <laughs> um, saying we'll never be influencers, Melody? <laughs> I mean, we've got to at least add some more selfies. That's what the algorithm favors. And mm, I just want more today. people. <laughs> I want more people to see Cecilia's illustrations because yes. it reads as an ad and famously Instagram will bury the ad looking post because they want people to pay for ads, you know? So right, right. I don't know. You can either, you can even go as far as, turning on notifications for diking out if you want or you could just create that tip jar i've created one for my favorite creators and hopefully it helps that's very uh interessant <laughs> yeah i think commenting is you know an easy thing to do even just a, a rainbow emoji or whatever but yeah, it doesn't have to be a the word full-blown attack on my geography <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't have to uh, get angry at the fact that while we're just spitballing about our lives that we might uh, misspeak about Scandinavian geography. Those aren't the comments we're looking for. Uh, That is a comment for anybody who caught (laughs) our... A recent Instagram uh, attack. Lesbian gossip post on our feed. Someone chose that post, maybe because it was the most recent and more people would see it, to publicly attack me for misspeaking about I don't know what. Like it was, I don't know what episode it was. I can't even remember. Like we were probably, it was one of our wine nights probably, because guess what? We're trying our best to get through this fucking pandemic. Leave me alone. Right. I know. Free podcast. (laughs) It is a free American podcast. If you hate Americans, don't listen. I don't know. This person hated me. My favorite part was them getting really mad about it. Again, I still don't remember the context, but conflating the Netherlands and Holland. And when you go to the Netherlands tourism website just until a year ago, it was holland.com. Yeah. People widely conflate the Netherlands and Holland. Like, yes. And you've heard me Holland. talk about the Netherlands. Sorry. I'm yes. Funny. I'm so I know. You've jumped. been to the Netherlands. You've heard, like, I've you've been there. I talk about it. it. I probably had just, I think it's because I just watched that movie on Netflix that Will Ferrell, it was like a parody the Euro, of Eurovision yeah. song contest. Maybe I heard someone drop a Holland there. I don't know why I said it. I don't, I truly don't know what I said, but like, just take some breaths, guys. We, try our best to provide a free podcast for you to enjoy. Like I've been getting such hostility lately and no one is holding a gun to your head to listen. I don't know what to say anymore. It's just because if I did know how to hold a gun to people's heads to listen, I would, but I can't. That's very hard to do. (laughs) One last thing about this comment, a fucking few sentence comment that'll make me rant for an hour. That's like saying Iran is in Soviet. Like, I I love when people throw my ethnicity and heritage in my face while insulting me. More of that. Really, I love yeah. to feel represented while being torn to shreds. God. Anyways, join our Facebook group where we just say more of those rants for there if you're interested in um, 
Dyke yeah, if rage. anybody wants to see our raw anger. Oh, but I can't say Dyke Rage. <laughs> Sign up for Patreon. No, you can't say Dyke Rage. Actually, apologies for saying uh, Dyke and for saying Diking out every episode of this podcast, Melody. <laughs> Apparently, it is a slur, regardless of uh, the context, according to a snapback gay on Twitter. Uh, if you recall, snapback is the term that Joe McDaniel uses instead of baby gay, because maybe that's problematic. And this one really <laughs> set me off. So we had Natasha Negovanlis on the podcast last week, and she identifies as bi and pan and almost wasn't sure if she should do the podcast because she doesn't identify with the word dyke and she felt a little bit uncomfortable about being on a podcast called Diking Out. And I assured her, our guests don't have to identify as dykes. We do. We call it Diking Out. It's a reclaiming of the term. Uh, you can dyke out with us, but you don't have to use the word. You don't have to identify with it. Like, no worries. And she was, like, very thoughtful about it. Of all the guests we've had, she's the only one who's actually express this and then like I don't know if I should say you know because she is super thoughtful and anyone who listened to that episode with her would know that she tries very very hard to be very thoughtful about um, her space in the community and (laughs) this uh, snapback on Twitter replies uh, because Natasha was nice enough to tweet about being on the podcast and said you know this one is for the bikes uh, which is a term that one of our listeners introduced to us and gave Melody that amazing Thank bike. Thank you, Rachel E-Y-K-E Newman. I, my favorite hat. Yes, Rachel Newman, all-star listener. So this person replies to Natasha, I've been a fan for a long time, but why would you say, quote, I'm bi pan, so I don't want to appropriate the term diking out, end quote, when that's clearly acknowledging it's a lesbian slur and harmful for you to say, but you're saying it anyway? backslash Jen. I don't know what that means. Does that mean like I'm a Gen Z person (laughs) and you need to listen to my demands? I don't Uh, know because I did see some more because this person went on a rant on their personal page about Carolyn's reply and they they did backslash Jen. So then they they did backslash SRS. Does this mean like general and seriously as like the backslash and then the tone your tweet is supposed to be taken in? I don't, I don't know. really go on Twitter. I've never seen this before. I don't appreciate them making me feel old. Uh, you know, then Natasha gets this and is obviously a little bit rattled and then replies in like multiple replies, you know, trying to explain herself and, and address it and how she doesn't identify with the term. I got, I was so mad because I'm like, you know, Natasha was so generous with her time to do our podcast. And first of all, to say I've been a fan for a long time, what a shitty fan. Why would you like attack Natasha for like literally just saying the name of the podcast on the podcast she's on? I replied, thanks for listening. The word dyke in the context of this podcast is not a slur. And I failed to see how someone saying dyking out in the context of our podcast while specifically discussing how they are being mindful about the term and don't identify with it is, quote, harmful. And then this person replies, I asked a genuine question about her choice to say it. It wasn't a diss and I've got no issue with it after the clarification. She was respectful about it, but I was curious. But ultimately, you don't get to decide that dyke isn't a slur just because it's the name of your podcast. I said, it's not a slur in the context of the podcast. There's no 
context with these people, like take things constantly out of context and make you feel like shit about it. Yeah. And then put something on their uh, on their own <laughs> timeline that was like, is Dyke a slur? Yes or no? And being like, anybody who said no can unfollow me. Because like, the oh answer my- is yes. And I'm right. And I'm not <laughs> listening. It's just... Oh, I didn't even see this, that they replied, oh, I know what you said. I can read. Reiterating it isn't going to stop it from being a slur full stop. You can use it in a non-offensive context. Example, a lesbian saying dyke is non-offensive, but it's still a slur in that non-offensive context. What the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Um, Oh, I can read. (laughs) I just learned how. Ten years ago. Gen Z forever, baby. (laughs) Like, this person is Gen Z. I just looked at their profile. It's just, I'm sorry, guys. Like, fuck us for, fuck Carolyn. Fuck you for creating this resource, this platform for other queer people to go on and share their art, their opinions, their voice. You're such a fucking monster and you just couldn't help yourself. You're constantly tearing down the community, and I'm sick of it. God forbid I try to reclaim my slur. <laughs> Actually, I think this person would be most mad at me I, for being bipan and yeah. uttering dyke. dyke once a week. Yeah. Yeah, I only do it once a week, guys. Don't worry. I'm, and I'm really sorry to anyone I've harmed, but I only <laughs> say it... Um, once a week what is the when harm? I say, you know. What is the harm? <laughs> well, in protest, I'm going to keep parting my hair on the side, whether you <laughs> like it or not, Gen Z. I love our Gen Z U-Haulers who are chill. I know that's the majority of you. And maybe check in on your friends who are not chill and who are spending too much time policing the language of the people that they look up to. It's the policing. <laughs> yeah, for me. It's the policing for me. I'm sure this person has like never replied to like a legit bigot on Twitter who's like go hang yourself dyke in reply to like oh, every yeah, Miley no, Cyrus tweet or something. Any actual <laughs> harm from outside forces. It's only right. infighting and it's just come to a head. I'm s I don't know how much worse it's gonna get. Are we peaking? What is happening? Do your breath work, everybody. <laughs> Love I, each other. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that we can seek refuge in our Patreon group where uh, another one of my favorite listeners was like, wait, aren't we all dykes here? Oh my God. I love that. She goes, I thought we were all dykes. <laughs> wait, what's going on? <laughs> Changing gears, I just want to say, I hope our U haulers in Texas are okay. I hope you are safe. I hope you are warm and able to flush your toilet. What uh, a nightmare scenario there. And I've just been thinking about all of our friends, family, and listeners who are in the area and affected by that because, man, it's really bleak. I have some friends who are still without power, heat. I lost heat for a day and I, within like three hours of realizing our heat wasn't working, I almost had a full on meltdown. So I can't. That's what I was going to say. I was going to ask you like, what is the longest you've gone without heat? Because it's always like a novel kind of like, like, cause it ends within a few hours at least. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I've never been like at least heat, three, four but... days. 
Yeah, never multiple days. I've been lucky in that way. I know people in New York, and that's a problem with like a lot of slumlords too, that they'll take a while to fix broken heating uh, in apartments. Or I've had friends who, when like winter starts, there's no heat. But luckily, you know, you have power and you can get a space heater or something like that actually or you have infrastructure you know you're right right in a right. state that gets snow and is at least somewhat prepared there's like a lot of people that are doing things to raise money and help people out and it seems like the situation is getting a little bit better now and hopefully by the time this episode comes out most people will have uh power again but the the damage hopefully you know, these people have like broken broken pipes and stuff, it's, and that's going to take a while to fix. You know, there's going to be there's only so many plumbers that can come out and like replace your pipes, and the cost of that is insane. Clearly, things aren't great on Twitter, in our comment section, or out in the world. <laughs> so, what am I doing? I'm watching so much TV. <laughs> you know, I know I've gone too far, but I started watching One Thousand Pound Sisters. <laughs> it just it got to that point, <laughs> and. I flew through the first season and then saw that there was a current second season like airing right now. I was like, oh my God, perfect. I'm catching up. I can't wait to see, you know, what they're up to. And I caught up so fast that like from the time that I started the show itself was like a Sunday by like the Tuesday. I was like watching the current episode. It was like really gross. So Um, is it one pair of sisters? Yes. So it follows 1000 pound sisters follows the Slayton sisters. Um, One of them is at the start of the show around 400 pounds. And then Tammy, they're like one year apart. They're like 31 and 32, the 32-year-old. Tammy is like a little over 600 pounds. So through the first season, they follow them, try to get down, like cut back 7% of their weight so they can get approved for the bariatric surgery. I don't want to spoil their journey because I know so many people are going to be running to TLC after this. But (laughs) um, wouldn't you know it, on the most recent episode I got to watch for the first time in real time because I'm a boomer and watching live TV, it was the episode where Tammy just came out as pansexual. Love it. Perfect timing with our bi-pan episode. (laughs) She made a big deal out of coming out to her boyfriend, Jerry, who was like an internet boyfriend and then they met up, but she had this big secret she had to tell him. And finally, by the end of the episode, she reveals that she is pansexual. And just the look of confusion, like this is like country, like (laughs) country, country. Is it Louisiana? Oh God, don't want to mess up my geography, but I'm so sorry. I don't know exactly what southern state they're in <laughs> but he really wants her to come out there's like you could tell me anything um and she's like all right okay, i'm i'm pansexual and he's just like what does that mean <laughs> and she says it means love is love i would date anyone whether they're transgender straight gay which is uh, like she definitely their genders it um and then he's like looks really thrown off and goes wait so you would date a transgender man And she's just like very matter of fact. And then she says, yeah, or a girl. It's about how they make me feel, not how they look. And then they like cut to her interview. And she says, I always thought I was bisexual, but I started talking to one of my friends and she told me she was pansexual. I asked her what it meant. And she said, it means you love everybody. So she figured she would go with that one. So this is me 
justifying my growing and sickening reality TV binge of COVID. If you watch enough of it, you're going to have people coming out as as bipan. And yeah. just to clarify, because of our bipan myths episode, you can also be bisexual and love everyone. Right. You know? But I'm glad that she found a term that resonates with her and any representation is is a great thing. And I, I hope wanna... that people who watch that show learn something from it and that their minds are a little bit more open. I know. I want to sort of maybe send her the bipan episode. Yeah. Like, you, you can still say bye. It's okay. Yeah. But that was cool. And I was like, God, no one watches this show, so I can't even text anyone about it. And I was like, doom scrolling. I saw on Liza Dye's stories that she posted a clip from that show, but it was the episode before, so I didn't want to spoil it. And I was like, do you watch this? (laughs) Did you get to the announcement yet? And so she didn't know what I was talking about. So I was like, okay, well, spoil all of it. But like, if Liza Dye watches it. (laughs) Hey, Melody. Hey, Carolyn, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, my God. I watched this porn that I came across in the wild. Like, I wasn't seeking it out. And the title... Wait, how does that happen? It means, you you, make it you, sound it like- means you're a sexual person. You're okay talking with it, Carolyn. That's what it means. That's what no, it means. No, no. It means like you, <laughs> that you make it sound like you opened your computer and Chrome was just, like, feeding you a browser of porn. And you're like, well, I guess I'm here. Oh, like- <laughs> do you not have that Chrome extension, Carolyn? Crude. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think they allow that. Um, <laughs> I um, was on Pornhub and just scrolling around. I know I don't know what the normal scroll time is for people, but I bet it's a lot more for queer women just trying to find something that won't very turn, turn you off. So yeah, you hard. gotta find something that's not upsetting. I'm not even trying to look for something that will turn me on. I'm trying to just not be turned off. Like I'm trying to stay like at my initial arousal. Cause sometimes the things I see can really just irk me. And I'll never understand for the life of me. And it's like, I do want somebody to explain it to me, but I also don't, but I don't see how men are okay with having so much porn be like parents weren't home and fucked my stepsister or like, uh, like fucking my stepdad. And like, you are just making it seem like this is a fantasy that you all have, that you all want to um, fuck your siblings and your stepkids. Yeah, they That's throw cre- step. If, if, it's really an incest fantasy, and they throw step on there to make it for more palatable for the people more on the fringe of this, like... Right, fetish. right, right, right. But it's so prevalent. Yeah. Think, I don't know. If if I were a guy, I'd be like, can we, can we stop can we knock this off and stop making it seem like we're all wanting? Or is it a thing that they're all like, yeah, yeah, you know, always worried about catching feelings for my my stepsister or my stepdaughter? I'm like, that is you gotta so stay gross. aware of the sexual possibility of the members of your household. It's really wild, Jesus. and I guess I could maybe understand if this spike in like incest porn kind of happened after the pandemic when people are like locked in their houses. With their family? Oh. Is that dark? We're not. <laughs> that is dark, but but I feel that like. That was dark, th- but I can this say has been since I was like molested porn. by a family member. Okay. <laughs> but, but this is porn that has like existed, I feel like, from the beginning. I feel like the, the like, 
You can find porn from the 60s that that's like pizza guy accidentally bangs cousin. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. But anyway, you're sc- <laughs> you were but scrolling anyways. Guild Pornhub. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't on there. And what you find? Play. I don't know if it's an algorithm thing because I do go on there in private mode. I don't know what's what information is being you got to be saving things. You were just talking about the. You got to be commenting to get your algorithm. <laughs> get your algorithm. I got to right. start my porn tip jar. And why aren't you commenting on the porn you watch? <laughs> oh my god! You know what's crazy is this porn. I actually did read the comments on. Have I even said what the porn was yet? I don't think no. so. So the reason I stopped, watched, enjoyed, and then even went so far as read the comments is because it was a Pornhub Premium porn that they're showing for free on the regular site called The Gift and it's from the series they have called Visionaries Directors Club where they have invite you know musicians artists to come and direct porns and this one was directed by lesbian rapper Young MA get out <laughs> and I was just it was on my like one of the first pages like I didn't have to Good like for her yeah uh, <laughs> she she had complete creative control over casting. They use her music in um, some of the more heightened scenes. Wow. It's all right. And then I was like, what? It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. But it does have some some good parts. It's like 50 minutes long. Um, oh. <laughs> it has like a big cast of like a bunch of different scenes. And um, some like porn stars that definitely do scenes with men, but like have a lot of lesbian scenes, like more like Jenna Sativa stuff like that. Um, but then it reminded me that we had an interview on the books with one of my favorite porn stars for our LA trip that got canceled. Yes. And that reminded me, we really got to get in touch. I won't even say the name, but I know so many of our listeners would be so excited. And I think part of the reason we were holding out was that we were going to do the recording at her house. Uh, yeah, we were. Which... And I'm like, I want to see what this house looks like. Yeah. I'm so curious. And womp womp. womp, womp. She might be listening because she recently followed us on Instagram. Um, Yay. Yeah, I can't wait to have her on. She's so freaking cool. And we're going to talk about porn. And I promise to be super weird about it. Yeah. Don't worry. Oh, I know. I can count on you. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) All right. What's going on upstate? What's the gayest thing you did this week? You know, I was at Home Depot yesterday. As usual, mm-hmm. and uh, Melissa Etheridge came on, and I was at like, Home well, this Depot. is at Home Depot, and it just felt like a very gay moment. And yes, I know Home Depot is owned by a bad man, but it is closer, and for the environment, I don't want to go an extra 15 minutes out of my way to go to Lowe's. So <laughs> what we call queer rationalizing. <laughs> but... I don't think that was the gayest thing. Then I thought maybe the gayest thing was that we fired our contractor who was really just trying to screw us over, did a lot of bad work and was gaslighting us. And uh, not only did we fire him, but we wrote this email where we tried our best to just shame him and make him feel really bad about himself and the work he did and what he did and how he treated us. And really leaned into it and we're just really hoping he felt like shit. And I don't think he did because men are shameless Mm -hmm. and I don't think that shaming them 
actually works, but... But it was cathartic? Maybe it was cathartic for you. It was cathartic. I don't know. I just felt like because we were two women that he was taking advantage of us because I went back to the guy who recommended the contractor and I was like, I got to tell you, this is like the worst experience. Uh, The work was terrible. Now we're kind of fucked. And we spent like all this money and the work's not finished. And there's like literal holes in our house with like cold air streaming in, you know. And then this guy was like trying to take us for a ride. And he was like... I promise you, I'd only heard glowing things about this guy. I've recommended him to so many people. And I'm like, I'm guessing this is the first time it's two women. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it was. And that makes me really mad. But, but the gayest thing this week was I did see a tweet from somebody. And I believe they're a writer for Autostraddle. I can't remember their name. And they were saying how... They think it's like really uh, lazy and boring for people to say that Jenny's the worst character on the L word, which of course is going to pique mm-hmm. my interest. Absolutely. And <laughs> absolutely. And they said uh, it's obviously Tina. Tina's the worst character on the L word, and everybody was like, "Yes, Tina sucks." Blah blah. blah. And then she said, "Also, Jody is easily the best character on the L word, and nobody is deserving of her." And then I replied to that because I I disagree uh, about Jody being the best only because of her last episode, and I believe it's at the end of season five. So Jody realizes that Bet's been cheating on her with Tina, which like of course is bad, and I feel bad for Jody because of this. But then she does something that is on par with like when Tammy Lynn Michaels' character in uh what is it episode one takes out a billboard on sunset boulevard about like don't date shane (laughs) so jody uh has like her big art display or whatever and it's all like it's an audio (laughs) visual uh display of just like bet and like audio clips of bet saying like fuck me Mm -hmm. and i couldn't from my memory i was like i feel like there was also like clips of Bet and Tina together. And I was like, where did Jody get those from? But am I just imagining this? So I was like trying so hard to find that clip because I don't have a Showtime subscription at the moment and was just going really deep into like Jobet uh, YouTube <laughs> trying to find this. And I couldn't find it, but I know, I know it was like Bet's face and it was just like, or she used this like big moment in her art career just to shame Bet, and it was like a super lame and a super shitty thing to do to Jody, who would have likely been like, "Fuck you, I'm moving on with my awesome art and making my sculptures and whatever." And instead, yeah. is just like this weird revenge, like secret video audio of Bet. <laughs> and I was like really busy when I was looking that up. I made the mistake of you know, taking a quick break, looking mm-hmm. on Twitter, saw this, and I'm like, I have a, I have a script due, <laughs> but I need to know. I need to reply to this tweet about Jenny versus Tina versus Jody. Well, I do agree that Tina was the worst. I'm glad that... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad someone said it. I'm glad we're still all talking about this. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm glad that, that everyone's like, yeah, Tina's the worst when Adele exists, but most people didn't get, a lot of people didn't get to Adele. 
Understandable. No, it's time to get to our interview for this week. Wow. Uh, This one, I would say grab a pen and paper to take notes because our guest has a wealth of information and references of things that all sound super interesting that I want to follow up on. And we couldn't be like jotting down things fast enough while we were talking. And yeah, I'll be sending some follow up messages about all those recommendations. Melissa Laveau is a lesbian Haitian-Canadian singer-songwriter and percussive guitarist based in Paris for over a decade, which is why her French is far better than mine, uh, infusing radical black feminism into pop. She has released three albums to international critical acclaim toward 41 countries and wrote and performed the Afrofuturistic black feminist musical, quote, and sometimes the flower is just another knife, She is currently at work on her fourth album and a book of stories about her many near deaths and the food she would have served at her eventual funerals. Let's get into it. Melissa, thank you so much for diking out with us from Paris. Hello. Paris was the last place that I traveled to before quarantine. That was like my last trip was Paris. Oh, that's right. That's your Christmas trip. I was in Paris with Cecilia um, for New Year's before the pandemic. And it was kind of a, a weird time in Paris because there was like a transit strike, which I'm sure you're very well aware it was of. Really, it, was re- it was really annoying because it basically... It was an, an enchaînement of like annoying things. So it was like transit strike and like people were, we were paying like 50 bucks cab, cabs to to go from one place to another. Oh, yeah. um, like I'd had meetings because um, I was sitting on an hours council and so on. And then um, it'd be like, oh, I'll just get halfway across town faster. And, and really I could have walked and not paid that cab and not getting reimbursed for all the cabs for that you were taking for certain. Anyway, I know how to do my taxes yeah. properly. <laughs> Well, it it was nuts, too, because there weren't any tourists, really, until, like, New Year's Eve. But the few days before, I had never seen Paris so empty because, like, even, like, the New York Times was like, don't go to Paris during the transit strike. Don't do it. And I was like, well, you know, we'll be fine. We're going to go. And we went and, like, just going to some of the museums and stuff that I've been to before, I'm like, it's never been this empty this is it's amazing though. it's amazing to see paris empty the the only time paris is empty is in august right um and so what a lot of us immigrants in france say is like paris is great without parisians (laughs) and and because as an immigrant like i don't have i'm not from the culture of french people have five weeks of vacation right vacation so vacation is sacred um in france and I, as a as a musician, I have, I, I work intermittently, so I'm I have like two weeks off and so on. And so I don't I don't really see the need of, of going on vacation a lot unless I have a partner and and, and so on. And um, and so I don't really leave during August because it's when the city is my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's empty. I can go to all the parks and gardens, and I don't have annoying people. Um, I like, I love people. I mean, I, I perform for people. Sometimes <laughs> buy my CDs, but Paris, just the Parisians. It's a special kind of like I've I come from Ottawa and it's a really it's a really small big city. Yeah. So it's I thought we'd already hit a million, but apparently we barely hit a million. 
like last year or something. And it's it's really spread out over like you leave Ottawa 20 minutes and you're in farmland. Right. Or you're by the Udaway River, which is part <laughs> of the Great Lakes. It's, it's, it's like Ottawa is, is basically the, the capital of Canada and you're like, it's a city. And then you walk five miles and it's like... I'm in the middle of a farm. I mean, that's how so, uh, Victoria is like that too. It's like this beautiful port yeah. and you come in and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an amazing city to visit. And then two blocks out, you're like, well, I guess that's, that was it. That's the city <laughs> limit. Two blocks, two blocks in from the water. That's Victoria for you. Uh, <laughs> and and, and the, the, But the thing with Paris is that like people, there's people everywhere. All the time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't think I would be affected. I'd be I was really really excited about. Um, I was really excited about moving to a big city because like I always thought I'm like oh I I'm gonna travel my whole life and and so on and so I finally moved to to Paris. I was like I live in the biggest city in the world. It's gonna be awesome. And then I'm like ah uh, you know what I don't like people that much. <laughs> Wait before we dive in, we do have to know. Can you let us know what is the gayest thing you did this last week? Well, I had a three-day date and I had a three-day so date gay. that ended on yes. Monday. And then now tomorrow I'm going on a three-day date. <laughs> so so it wasn't like just a date that turned into a three-day date. It was like a planned three-day date. No, it was it was like so both are gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it 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 was planned. It was definitely planned because the first time was Oh, let me take you to the ocean. And which I wish I was like, there'll be a real birthday present. And I got a little coupon to go see the ocean. It was like weeks after my birthday, but I was like, oh sure, sure. And I was like, I'm not sure if this person, you know that thing when you're not really sure if some you're on a on a date? Like lesbians do this all the time. Yeah, that's the gay experience. Uh yeah. And so I, I come down to their city and then uh we drive to the ocean and I realize it's a two-hour drive. And and on the way back that it's only the two-hour drive. And I was like, this person drove me four hours today just to see the ocean and made a fucking picnic. And then we like sang to the ocean and it was really cute. Oh my gosh. And then, and, and then like we drove, okay, like, we had this, like it was a, for the full moon in Leo. We had this whole ritual okay. and then we even like fed like a French toast to the, to the ocean and like thanked her and everything. And then, and like, and I got a bunch of ocean water into my, my boots and then, and so we were back in the car and they had touched my, my knee for the whole ride. And I was like, I'm not sure if I feel about this. And then and I kept saying, oh, I'm, you know, my, my pants are all wet. I'm so sorry. And, and then they were like, oh, my God, I should stop touching your knee. And it, was, it kept being this, kept being this thing. Anyway, and then, then that, so, so that turned out pretty well. And then I ended up staying an extra night. And then, then uh, um, they were like, I just need a couple of weeks. And... Um, a week later, they were staying in my place for three days. And then five days later, I'm staying at their place for three days. And, and we're like, should we oh, be man, putting a it. name on this? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's it's very gay. It's very, very gay. gay. This, oh, a name, the, oh, like the, a yeah. label on your relationship. For a second, yeah, I thought exactly. you meant a name for what this is. I was like, oh, yeah, that's called the Dyke Tango. That's uh, what you're doing. <laughs> no, because like, I, send them the, I, I send them an episode, the interracial dating um, episode. So now, now y'all know they're white. Um, but the, I sent them the, the, the interracial dating episode and they're like, it is, it is so precious for me. I'm, I'm doing their accent all wrong. And I'm just doing a random French accent because I don't want no, anybody to identify them. But they're like, <laughs> they're like, it is so precious for me that you sent it and you trust me with this. And I will, I hope I'm not doing anything bad to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, 
you're not doing anything bad. I'm just, this is for information. Like, I don't want you to do this in the future. Yeah. So far, you're good. <laughs> so far, you're good. I'm yeah. happy to help. Yeah, I love when people use our episodes to educate people. We get that sometimes where it's like, okay, I took this episode and I sent it to my sister who just doesn't understand like this or that or. But it was it was an extremely good episode because there were so many things I recognized about because I've been in um, a nine year relationship uh, with like when I moved to Paris. So my story moving to Paris is really gay. So I'll have to get into that at some point. When I moved to Paris within two weeks, I met um, my wife. My ex-wife. And then we stayed together ex-wife nearly Ex-wife club. Yeah. Good to see you. <laughs> and, um, and so we stayed together nearly nine years um, until like I think on my birthday she announced that she had cheated on me after breaking up with me. Oh, that's less fun. asking yeah. me to get oh, back to me. And it was sorry. like, it was, okay, I came back from Canada and I'm like, yeah, I'm back. It's like, I cheated on you. I'm so sorry. And I was like, why tell me now? It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and then so that like capped off a thing okay so in the episode on interracial dating I saw myself really clearly where she says at some point my partner noticed that people bump into me or like I'm a black hole and I feel really invisible um where like people don't serve her in bars um and I was like that was me that like has me all the time, except that I actually told my partner this all the time. And she was like, it's all in your head. And that led to the, the fall of our, mm, yeah. of different relationships to the yeah. point of like, I've dated several white people, but the, 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 the whole thing of like knowing that you're invisible yeah, and, and telling people that they make you feel invisible, having people bump into you and your partner being like, it's all in your head. It was the worst. Yeah. So I was like, let's just nip this in the bud for this new person and just send this to them so that right. they're more aware of it. And I've been really good about telling the, I'm dating two people at the moment, um, about the, telling them when they're, um, because I have like I have very, very distinct boundaries and I can sort of figure out patterns and like, you see, and, and everything is like based on care now and, I it's love boundaries. It's very gay. It's very, it's very, it's all very gay. It's yes. all very gay. It's a lot of processing. Well, I want to go yeah. back because you've mentioned Canada. You've mentioned your birthday. Did you know we were born eight days apart in Montreal? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> really? So you're, you're a December Capricorn. You're a December Capricorn. I'm January 1st. I'm a December January Capricorn. 1st. You're a December Capricorn. We're all Capricorns. We're all Capricorns. This happened again. This just happened with Liza Die last week. Yep. Yeah. This, we're having yeah, a lot of Liza, Capricorn guests. This is not intentional, guys. Liza Die and I have the same birthday, and that's, or I think she's born on the 8th. And that's basically why we started talking on social media. Uh, so, how, how long were you in Montreal for before moving to Ottawa? Two years. Two years. Okay. Because a lot of people just assume that I grew up in Montreal. And so I get interviews like, so can you tell us about your favorite spots? I know. And then I was like, um, if you mean that babysitter and that other babysitter and my grandmother's. Because mm-hmm. I, I had spent time as a teenager. But I think the only prides I've been to have been in Montreal and in Toronto when I was um, in uni. University. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You're being <laughs> uni. We He's like. College, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, college. Because in France, if you if you say college, college is uh, that's a different grade school, it's right? Grade school, yeah. So it's like twelve year olds, and so it'd be really funny if people think I was in college and then <laughs> I got in. 
Québécois media always says like, la chanteuse québécoise Minnie Salavo. And I was like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not happy with it. Like I, <laughs> so, cause last, um, so this past Christmas for a, uh, French Canadian pop star, um, Pierre Lapointe, I record, I wrote and we recorded together. We had co-wrote, I composed, we recorded a Christmas song and it's the gayest Christmas song ever <gasps> because it's like non-binary. Um, it talks about a threesome. Yes. It's like the suggestion of a threesome because it's one person that is sharing a lover with somebody else. And this person is alone for Christmas. And it's just like, Christmas, you're supposed to share. And that's what the, <laughs> and that's what the song says. It's like, I want you for Christmas. Can't we share? <laughs> I want to listen to that. I thought about that a lot this last holiday season, how we need more queer songs. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, mean it, the, I also wrote it in Creole because I thought, why not? Yeah. So it's in, Cre- in Haitian Creole and in French. And I was like, how many queer Creole Christmas songs are there? None. <laughs> None. And um, I will go down in history as have done that. Nope. Nobody will remember. Nice. But uh, car- let's carry on. Carry on. Um, <laughs> when I was 12, I went to Haiti and then to just for a family vacation. And we came back and my dad bought me a guitar. And that's the my first... Like the, how my music career started, sort of. Um, when my marriage was on the rocks, I was I turned to my partner, and no, my partner turned to me. He's like, "Can I come with you to Haiti?" Because I was going to Haiti to do research um, on the topic of my third album, which was songs that Haitians sang or wrote during the uh, U.S. occupation of Haiti, mm. the U.S. military occupation of Haiti between 1915 and 1934, and it's called Hadio Siwel. And, uh, and I was like, of course you can come, knowing full well that your, your experience of Haiti is very different if you're walking around with a white person. And it was. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't all bad. It, just, it, was, it was a very different experience. Um, and you know that people are going to call you white as you, like, I'm like, they'll, they'll be like, you're white by association to this other white person walking around. Mm. And that, that, it, 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 which is completely random. But No, my, my wife white- can probably relate uh, going around Peru with me. <laughs> Because I was like, unless we were at like a very touristy, unless we were like at Machu Picchu, it was just like, I was the only white person. And then people were kind of treating her differently. And she was just wearing clothes that like Peruvian soccer jersey to be like, I'm one of you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was like overdoing it, like yeah. overselling it. And they're like, Mm-mm, we see right through you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but like it, it, it was funny because I think Haiti is a very contentious relationship with um, French people, and my my ex wife is is French, so French and British. They were like ah, and there's a lot of French people on the island, but there's a lot of French people making a lot of money from working for um, uh, NGOs, and mm. since uh, the big all like a lot of NGOs made a shit ton of money. After the earthquake in 2010, yep. Mm, um, yep. Let's go back to me leaving me leaving Haiti, and I came back a third time because I was playing a couple of concerts, and the third time was really painful. Like by then, I I was completely divorced from my wife, but it was painful because my father uh, is retired now, lives in Haiti full time, mm. and my face was the the poster of the of of the festival. And I was performing twice plus giving a workshop and my dad just refused to see me. He was like, oh, but Mimi, I'm six hours away 
it is a long drive, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and man. I'm like, you did the same thing when we came two years ago. And we gave you the dates. We actually changed our tickets so that we could be in Haiti when you were in Haiti. And then he knew exactly what my dates were. He knew exactly what my shows were months ahead. And he couldn't ignore me because my, my photo <laughs> for the festival was all over the country. Right. But it's a tiny ass country. Right. And he was like, and so he calls like the day before I leave. He's like, oh, I have missed your show. Mimi, I'm so sorry. So the second time was like a super painful, but at the same time, pretty cool because we just got to hang out in Haiti for 10 days with my band. And oh, uh, love it. And it was, and like some some Haitian French friends were there at the same time. We're like, we're going to the beach. So that it was like a private beach. And it was, and I got to see how rich black people live in Haiti, <laughs> which before I just got to see how rich white people live in Haiti. And that was a whole ass difference. It was great. Ooh, I live right next to Little Haiti in Brooklyn um, and have been exploring it. In Flatbush, yeah. Um, and that's so funny. Even in Little Haiti, a white person going into a Haitian restaurant to get something is... Um, I mean, you're just stared down and I'm obviously, <laughs> I stick out, but I really like the soup jumu. Is that it? Soup jumu. Yeah. So good. Soup jumu is Independence Day soup. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to make. It's like, you can make like a huge batch and then freeze the rest and yeah. you can make a vegetarian version and so on. But like it's, I have a recipe on, on my Instagram actually in the, like the story highlights Oh, nice. Okay. I'll check I, it I, out. Because I, I generally make like a, a queer Independence Day soup party. And then, of course, this year I couldn't. So it was just two other homos <laughs> and me, like <laughs> one Haitian homo and one French homo. And we, we drank the soup together. Love it. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So you've been in Paris for 13 years now, and I've been to Paris a, a bunch of times, but I've never explored the gay side of Paris. Why not? It's literally gay old Paris. I know. I know. That's why I wanted to chat about gay, gay Paris because I haven't really experienced it 
Uh, I guess like every time that I've gone, I mean, the first time I was 14. So we used to go visit the south of France to um, Marseille, where my grandmother and my aunt and uncle live. But I had an aunt and uncle uh, outside of Paris. And my parents wanted to wait until we were old enough to really like appreciate it and also have the endurance for like being a tourist in Paris. And so I went when I was 14. And then every time I went back after that, I always went with like a friend or a girlfriend, or whatever, and I always played tour guide. So I'm always hitting, like, you know, the the spots that everybody wants to see and never really got into, like, where the underground things, whatever. So when I went with Cecilia this past time, I was, like, trying to find gay stuff, and everything I was looking up was like, oh, well, this is closed, this is closed, or or nothing was nearby because the transit system was shut down, so we could only go to things that were like in walking distance of our hotel, and there really wasn't... Where was your hotel? That was your first mistake, is like you picked a non-queer neighborhood. I know. Right, because we're... There's Le, Le Marais, is that it? Um, Le Marais, and but, is but that, it's like, that it's feels like, like rich, the... Right. It's rich, it's rich queers, and it's like I went there men. right away because I was like, oh, gay Paris. But then once I got there, I was like, this can't be it. Like this... It's like historically gay. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. It's a historically gay neighborhood, but it's a lot of like... It's older, rich queers, and a lot of... Places are there, so like a, a, a lot of um, uh, traditional bookshops, but like the um, Les à la Bouche, which was like the, one of the big. Um, uh, it was it was the so, so there's a gay bookstore and then there's a lesbian bookstore, which almost closed lesbian bookstore, but it did not. Mm. And the gay bookshop actually, like the owner was like, "I'm moving, I'm taking this and selling it to whatever company," and so they've moved to closer to my neighborhood um, in the 11th, but I'm in the 20th, which is where the lesbians are within in inner city Paris. Um, the lesbians are mostly in um, Montreuil, which is a suburb that is adjacent to where my neighborhood is. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. Les Lilas. Um, so like bougie lesbians are in Montreuil, Les Lilas, Romainville. And then the non-bougie lesbians, so like academics, like broke-ass academics who are working on their PhD for the past 20 years um, are going to be in Aubervilliers, Pantin, like artists as well. Like a lot of hot broke artists are living <laughs> in Aubervilliers and Pantin because there's the uh, National Center for Dance and a lot of a lot of like national theaters are there and you can do a lot of residencies. The rent is super cheap and so on. So it's like what the Marais used to be. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> so we were staying by the Gare du Nord because, oh, we were taking the um, train from where were we? We were in Brussels. So we had to fly into Brussels. Um, it's a long story. And then it took the ten and then take and then take a train to Paris. And then we're like, well, we we don't want to stay too far from the train station because the, the subways are down. So let's just stay somewhere that we can walk to. Uh, from there. So we were just like maybe a, a 10 minute walk uh, south of there. And there was a, there was a cool dyke party um, that was actually a walk away from, from where you were. And I think they actually had a party during the, the strikes. And it's like, a, like and the cool thing about Paris is that actually the non-cool thing about Paris is that there's not a lot of like um, subversive culture. So there's like really cool parties that start out and they're like indie and stuff. And then quickly, it, it, it like it gets it catches on because people are really excited about a party. Yeah, and it sort of becomes mainstream, and then so all of the sort of subversive things about it that are like 
you know, um, people with like different bodies or who were like not, 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 in French you say non, non, des corps non normés and people <laughs> with different genders generally sort of like get phased out or erased. And, um, and we were talking about this with sort of the friend because we we're, were deciding, um, like, what, what we can talk about when you're going to talk about Paris? And this is to a French person. And I was like, well, as an immigrant, I'm going to compare it to the queer scene in Toronto. And I know that I would say like the biggest difference for me is I don't really do pride in Paris because there's no, in Toronto, for example, there's a block which is the black block party that everybody goes to because it slaps. <laughs> it like everybody knows the party is at the, like the Afro-Caribbean queer party and everyone will go and the music will be better. The DJs will be better. I think, I think Ostra's played there. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't matter who's there, but like everyone's like, yeah, that's the better party. And it's a really cool blog party. There's, there's people who bring their kids. It's all day. It goes, runs in, until late night. There's no party like that in Paris. Mm. Um, I remember when I moved here, burlesque was starting up and I was like, oh, awesome. And then it was really quickly like just skinny people, skinny white people. Yeah, I saw and burlesque. Then, I stayed in Montmartre. I can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there was a burlesque show close by to where we were staying. We popped in and they were very thin. It's but like also Paris is <laughs> it's it's it was, it's like a reappropriations because Paris um, had the Can Can and the Folie Berger. Right. So there's a history of burlesque in, in France and in Paris. Um, and so doing a queer burlesque would be cool, except that you're in the city that has done it for centuries. Right. <laughs> and so the appropriation is never going to be super far. I'm not saying that there aren't cool queer people who are doing it, but it's hard to find those parties. Um, I'm glad I'm friends with some of those people, but I find that, uh, yeah, like the minute something gets cool, it sort of gets mainstream here really, really fast. Hmm. And I'm like, womp, womp, womp. And That's then, so funny. You use the word subversive. Like it's not subversive there because someone I know there use that exact word to describe the stand-up comedy there. They're like, it's in no way subversive. It's just very traditional, misogynistic. It's not good. So, like oh, I yeah. don't even get me started on, on there. French stand-up. <laughs> I don't know much well, about it. I, I was talking to my friend who lives there now and we were we met up with his girlfriend and she was like you probably don't want to tell her you're a stand-up all of her friends are a feminist and it was just like an attack on feminism almost that I was yeah. a stand-up yeah. comedian to them yeah and the thing is like there are feminists like one of the biggest um feminist stand-up comedians here is uh Blanche Gardin and guess who she was dating Louis after he was accused of, yes, yes, yes that one, yes. He was yes. accused of like, I just of, of, like all the that. sexual assault. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, even the female comics there, like the few. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, I can point you out to a really cool black um, biracial uh, lesbian comic called Tani. Um, and she has, she has a, uh, a show that is, is really sex because it was getting sold out every night she was playing it and she was playing Tuesday nights and then pandemic. And, right. um, and so she's on Instagram and I think the show is called Tani L'Autre, but she's on Instagram and she's really nice. Um, and, uh, she's part of the whole like black feminist, that is Afrofeminist crew that I completely support. Um, and I really recommend that people get into if you're listening to this podcast and you're sitting in France and you're black or uh, racisé and you're wondering like why 
why do I feel so lonely? There are plenty of black lesbians that are just like <laughs> hanging out and organizing, and not just lesbians, but like just black feminists. Um, so there are there are places that are subversive. Yeah, um, there are places, yeah, and usually those places are militant and they're activist spots. But I know so many queers. Oh no, I don't know so many queers. I've dated so many queers who are like, oh yeah, I have those friends who who vote like Marine Le Pen, and I'm like. Why are you still friends with queers who vote for extreme right? Like they're literally voting. Are they shooting their uteruses? Frexit queers? um, They're not Frexit queers, but like close enough. They're like, but you know, like immigrants are always scary. And I was like, so you have racist friends that you haven't called out on. And and it's funny because I don't date those people anymore. And uh, I wonder how this summer went for them. But like I lost, I didn't lose a few friends. I've lost a friend and I just kicked, I stopped talking to some people. The summer when they started posting black squares and I was like, one lesbian writer friend, a uh, former friend, posted a beige square because <laughs> she didn't want to, she wanted to keep up with the line of editorial for her Instagram. Oh, and, and her whole all color beige. scheme was beige. The color scheme was, it was beige. And, she, and, and I called her on it. I'm like, really? Beige? Like, and then she, and she wrote to me. Like, first we had this, an argument and she was like, you're just really way too violent about talking about race. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm aggressive because it's my survival. <laughs> like finding an apartment here was a whole fucking it was a whole she fucking can't even put the color black and, on her feet and so That's... on and like you couldn't even put <laughs> she's like and then and she had like the comments were all these white people who were like I just don't understand why all the black people are so angry I just want to have a nice discussion and I was like so I basically took screen caps of her discussion and put it posted on Twitter like taking out her name and being like this friend totally put a beige, blah, blah, blah. She told me I was too aggressive and then told me, like, if I was so aggressive about vegetarianism, no no one would become vegetarian. I'm like, did you compare vegetarianism with racism? False equivalence. We were just dealing we were with this just earlier talking today. about this earlier. <laughs> because somebody made a comment like that to Melody, and I'm like, oh, this reminds me of the comments that white people make to black people all the time. That's like that false equivalence, oh, and I hate it. Time. And it's so cringe. All the time. And, and then I, and, and I, and they're I always just, white. I, yeah. I lost it. They're always white. And then I, so I kind of lost it. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I live here. I, I know a friend yeah. who's like, t- reminds me. It's like you chose to live here. I and know. I, was like, I did choose to live here, and and I, I love living here. We've talked about it on uh, on the podcast before when we had Valerie Complex, a friend, an internet friend, uh, yes. yes, person. Valerie's so <laughs> badass, and we went off on a tangent. I think I had to edit it down because <laughs> definitely I, I, we were there for a long time. It, it was a long rant about like how racist <laughs> France is, but also from and and I haven't lived there, so I don't I don't really really know what it's like. But I'm curious, like, is it as homophobic as it is racist? Oh yeah, I experienced it firsthand. Some yeah. bullshit racism in Paris. Oh my god, the, the racism is all over the place. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, it's insane. Like the, oh, I can tell you some, the anecdote of how I got my apartment and I only got the apartment because I was, I, I, I got my apartment with my ex. And, um, anyway, what I was going to say about, um, homophobia is that it is a country where people like to pretend like this is the country of human rights. And it's like, actually it's the droit de l'homme. So like man's rights. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all haven't changed much since the declaration of man's rights. 
um, and like a few feminists that have done really cool work and some less good work. People are still like repping Simone de Beauvoir, but Simone de Beauvoir was, just gonna was say. like, she's yeah. sexual assault and um, like she was sexual assault enabler and also um, racist. Yeah. She was completely racist. And, and people like really, you're like, yes, but she did so much work. And like, you can if you could just acknowledge that white feminists have also done harm, that would be really, really useful to like right. moving on and forward. But people don't want to do, don't want to do that work. Um, and so, um, so people, I find that like the, the, ra- the, the racism, the homophobia, the transphobia, the fat phobia is structural. Yeah. And because during the second world war, because uh, there were, there was documentation that could prove that people were Jewish. So they knew exactly where to, the cops knew exactly where to find the Jews and they knew exactly where to take them and so on. It's like basically like the cops were complicit, a cap. And then they, I, I just need to slip that in, but then, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, so then they created law after the second world war, um, they created laws so that you aren't allowed to, take statistics based on someone's um, characteristics like race or religion and so on, because that would be discrimination. And the problem with that is that it's made it in that social studies can't really, in France, are really messed up because a lot of data is missing because they can't account for, like you can have, the data won't be huge because you can't actually have mass scale um, data on race, social economics, um, important data that will allow you to do actual social studies. And right now, the government is actually saying that um, decolonial social studies is actually being very discriminatory towards French values. And it's 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 a really big, it's a really huh. alarming thing going on in France. Like the the the, the backlash from like the right wings. Plus, like there's a whole. There's a whole sweep of of um, of public perso- person uh, public personas, des personnalités publiques, that are saying mm-hmm. stuff like, "Oh, I was raped by my parent," or that so and so was uh, assaulted by so and so. Like, so the Me Too movement is finally taking up, and people are just there's no cancel culture. The cancel culture is just like oh, these feminists are really exaggerating, and oh, yeah. they're like destroying the fabric of our country, and. There's no cancel culture. So people keep talking about cancel culture. I'm like, but this person still has their job or they're still getting, they're still getting paid. They're still on the payroll. How, where is the cancel culture? France is a safe haven for Roman Polanski. For Roman Polanski, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It still is. And he was at the Academy until a couple of months ago. He was still at the the, the, the film Academy as like the permanent jury member and so on until a couple of months ago. And people were like, yo, what? Yeah. (laughs) And Adele Nel getting up last year at the awards was like a huge moment. And the great huge moment that people like forgot to talk about as much, and then they fend- like they it took a couple of days for people to like to to say okay we're not talking about it as much but we really should is Aisa Maiga mentioning race in film in French film and and how it's really important and she pointed out one actor which is Vincent Cassel and like basically like during the award ceremony they panned to him and he has Vincent Cassel is like in his fifties and he has this. A uh, black model wife who's she's biracial as well. Is she biracial? Is she black? I can't remember. Anyway, she's very light skinned. Right. She's very pretty. She's a model. She's in early twenties, like twenty two. 
And they have a baby already. So I'm like, I think they met when she was like 19 or 20. Like it's, mm, of course. This is the guy who was married to Monica Bellucci and he he did her wrong. But anyway, um, the, they pan to him and he's gotten so much money for playing the white guy in all the like ghetto movies and so on. Or he played like the guy who's like the white guy who's like poor and so on. But he stayed made so many so much more money than his cast members. And I said, my guy called him on that. And then when they pan on him and his black wife, he was like, but I've always been like pro-black people. And like, I don't understand why you're calling me out and so on. It was hilarious. Um, and like people really uh, shat on Nice and my guy for that. Um, but also like a lot of feminists were like, no, 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 we need to mention her. And so the covers of like some of the left-wing papers were like Aïssa Maïga and Adelinelle. And there's one that I really love that I've like, I, I saved a screen capped where it just, it's really weird because they took a picture of them really close to each other. Like their heads are like next to each other and, and it's just like pastels. And I'm like, and so I cut it out and that was, I can't, actually I can't say what I did because um, I'm friends with both of them now and I, I made a meme. <laughs> it made a lesbian meme. Yes, <laughs> I they I didn't know they become friends. Did you they imply did. they were together in your meme? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was like their faces together, really close, and so on, because they're friends. And then like pastel colors and so on. I'll I'll send you. Yes, I'll please. send you a photo. Like, <laughs> but who is Adele with? Ad- Adele is with a cool um a cool playwright called Giselle Vienne. And I saw, I was, um, I was lucky to see a play. Um, I was just like, because I have friends who were like in theater or in movies. So I got, I got to see a movie last month with like, no, no one has seen a movie in a year. Right. But I got to see my friend's documentary because we were five people in the theater. And I got to see Adalinelle's last play, which is directed in, by her, directed by her partner, Giselle Vienne. And it's a really oh, cool. So Adele has a type for directors. <laughs> You know what? No, because r- right before that, what she, she dated. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, well, before, in between the two, she's dated several people, but she was dating um, the Rebecca Warrior, who's a singer from Mansfield TYA mm. and Sexy Sushi, which is which are two, and Compromat, which is like different bands that Rebecca Warrior has. Who's, she's a singer and like Mansfield TYA is a, is a, uh, Mansfield Tia is a French lesbian band, which is pretty cool. Yes. And Ooh. her uh, two other projects are really cool. It's said Sexy Sushi. I have 50 tabs open right now that I just keep. <laughs> <laughs> you are dropping some very important information on this episode and I hope everybody can keep up because this is yes. gold. This is French gay gold. Um. Okay. Random, random thing that I that I did think about is one thing that one of my big pet peeves for dating here has been people who hear, because I have a fluctuating accent and I went to a, a private school run by French people. So, and I didn't grow up in Quebec. So my accent switches from Quebec, Quebecois, which, which is actually more like Franco-Ontarian because of from friends who were in, not in my school to French, like standard like Parisian French, Um, it fluctuates back and forth regularly depending on how upset I am or how lively I am. (laughs) I'm like, I know. And I'm like, I'll really get Quebecois or really get Franco-Ontarian really. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that I have that accent, but only hear me with like a sort of Parisian-ish accent. And they're like, 
oh, I'm so glad you don't have that accent because it's so disgusting. It's so unsexy. And they say they say that the Quebecois. In, no, the, 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 the French people. Will tell the, me. Yeah, the French people think make fun of the Quebecois accent so much. They hate it. And then so uh, one of the people I'm dating is just like I love that accent so much <laughs> to the point where it's like the only fetish I'll accept from them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like it's okay. That's I, I can use it in bed. It's fine. I'm okay with that. Good niche fetish. I think that there is a common misconception of France being like this super liberal place because if you're American, I think, I don't know how the perspective is from other countries, but I feel like Americans grow up thinking like, oh, the French, they're so liberal because like, you know, they show breasts on commercials or uh, just like, I guess they're, um, attitude towards nudity maybe was more liberal. But when you go there, you're like, oh, a- actually, it's not liberal at all. And, and like, I, I do love like a lot of things about French culture. And I, I don't want to like shit on a country that I only visit for like, two weeks at a time every other year. But even even just two weeks, you know, every year growing up when I was younger, and, and now a little less frequently, like, well, yeah. Well, one of the biggest, it's its not more, you know, that gay marriage didn't show up. It's Gay marriage has been around for less than 10 years in France. Yeah. Because I got married. I, I, I didn't get married. I actually got Pexy. And then we wanted to get married. And I was like, but we're already Pexed anyway. And like, it will just be in my head. I, I, I knew it was the end. I knew it was the end. So I was like, it'll be harder to get divorced. What what is it called? A pax. pax. Oh, and it's like a it's a civil partnership. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. That 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 allows you to do your taxes together. Right, right. But the cool thing with it, with yeah. it is that you can sign. It's so it's really easy to unpack because you just send a letter or you show up to your your borough's um, city hall and then. Prove that, like, have a signature of somebody else saying, like, I don't want to be packed to this person anymore. And, like, in 20 minutes, you get it. And to get my citizenship, I had to prove that I had been unpacked from my wife. Um, and, uh, and so, and I had asked her to send me the paper, and she, like, refused to sign them. And she was like, you, We should do it. And I was like, I asked you. I just, like, anyway, so that was long. <laughs> but also, the really funny thing for me is that is, I'm like, the rest of the world thinks you're all gay. So I'm, I'm always, I find it funny how France is homophobic when everybody in the world thinks that all of French people are very like sexually liberal. Gay. Yes. So that's, okay. So sexually liberal. Yeah. I, I should rephrase um, what I said before. I think a lot of people think that France is sexually liberal uh, because maybe it was like a head of the the U.S., like maybe that they were a little bit more sexually liberal before um, the U.S. had its like sexual liberation movement. I, I'm not sure, but then when it comes to um, homophobia, it, it's just like so crazy to me that in France, like mistresses, nobody bats an eye. I mean, I don't know if it's still that way or yeah, if that's been changed. no nobody bats an eye. It's it's like it's still cultural. that way. Yeah, it's it's still that way. And and I'm like, why why isn't everybody polyamorous? That would just it would like nobody would cry, but it's just socially accepted. Yeah, yeah. So then, why is like, why is homophobia such a prevalent thing? If they're like real cool about like sexual, it's needs? fake sec. It's fake secularism. 
Um, and so, so it's like, we're a secular state. It's really important for us to be secular state. But then all of the, all of the bank holidays are Christian holidays, yeah. or Catholic holidays. Right. Um, and so you have like a, a very huge stronghold of the, of, of, um, Catholic lobby. Um, and like a lot of politicians are like really, really Catholic. Um, there was huge, huge outpour. And there still is like, there was a march against gay marriage to like repeal gay marriage last weekend and a counter march and like I didn't know about it. I was like, what? And so a friend noted just like nobody under only over 30 was at this counter march. Like, <laughs> they organized on TikTok. <laughs> like, the, the millennials were just like, she's like, where are the millennials? I'm like, why are you? Um but there's a huge there's a huge uh Catholic like old school bougie Catholic community within the political sphere. People really like conventions and, and people are really destroyed by the, by lack of conventions. So when people are transgressing, transgressing anything that isn't conventional, like you, if you're French, you should really ascribe to being thin and fit and white and so on. And so the minute that you're not trying to be these things, they use the word, oh, you're trying to be communitariste. You're trying to build a community, like a, 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 a community. And that, that means that you are turning radical. And that, that means that you could turn into a terrorist. It goes really fast. So wow. right now the French government is working on all sorts of things where you can't have any parties that are like, let's have a queer and trans only um, discussion group around so and such and such topic. And they're like, no, that is going to be illegal because... That's going to be like people who are telling, who are developing like uh, terrorist ideas and they're going to um, develop um, propaganda. Yeah, like that, that's in the works right now. Like that's, that's where, that's how bad it's getting in France in terms of like the country, the oh free country. Oh my God. Furthermore, so you have a slow thyroid, you're a terrorist. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> if you, if, if you have a slow thyroid and you create a club for people with slow thyroid yeah, and, there you, you and nobody, and people with like average thyroids can't come in. You can you come, go. You're close to terrorism. And um and the funny the funny weird thing is that um the French the uh, queer marriage gay marriage only happened a couple of years ago. Like in Canada, so I'm always comparing France and Canada because I'm I'm always bouncing back from countries sure. for holidays or so on and because I, I like pride better in Canada. I don't really like pride. Yeah. Don't tell this <laughs> to my gay friends. But um I don't really like pride here. I I haven't found my jive. I found a few queer parties that were cool, but gay marriage has been legal in Canada for a really long time. Right. Like I'd say like 10 more years than in France and then and I'm probably inaccurate on those dates, but I'll We'll check it out. But uh, France, it became legal, but it didn't become legal at the same time. In Canada, you had gay marriage and you had pay, being able to adopt the the child. Like if you're a queer couple, you can adopt the child. Really quickly, they adopted a law that you could have three or four people on your birth certificate in case like you wanted to put the the surrogate on the birth certificate right. or you wanted to put um, a donor on the birth certificate or so on, or like a third person because like you're a throuple or something on a birth certificate. Like Canada like just went like, if we're going to go gay marriage, just go all the way because Canada actually has like a secular government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas France says it has a secular government, but like, but our values. And when I immigrated, when I finally... I'm from a, a country with healthcare, but I didn't have free healthcare. It was fucked up. And then finally, I decide to start the paperwork, and I get through 
I get through to the first appointment. And the first appointment, you have to have, you have to pass a sanitation test. So just in the immigration process, there's like racism that is yeah, built in. Yeah, what is that? So the sanitation, there's a sanitation test, which is like the health, you have to pass a health security test. And so you have an appointment and then you're in a room with a bunch of people who are waiting for it. And it's like people who are from the Americas or that's like Asian America. And, um, and so everyone was like either Asian or like Latin American and so on and, or Canadian American. And first you have a test where they weigh you. So they weigh me and they're like, you're fat. And I'm like, what? Like I have, like my BMI is too high. Like nobody really follows BMI. It's inaccurate. But anyway, I'm fat. And they're like, you're fat. And I was like, okay. And they're like, well, you could be morbidly obese soon and you will be taxing on the country. And I was like, are you going to kick me out because I'm fat? And they're like, no, but you're fat. <laughs> and then and then they're like, you also probably have diabetes. I'm like, I don't have diabetes. There's no one has diabetes in my family. We're fat, but we don't have diabetes. Okay, whatever. And then, and then the second thing was like, okay, we're going to prick your blood and check your blood sugar. And I was like, because we know you have diabetes. I'm like, but I don't have diabetes. We know you have diabetes. Prick my blood sugar. My blood sugar is low. (laughs) My blood sugar is low. And then they're like, you don't have diabetes. And I was like, I know. We don't have diabetes in my family. (laughs) And I'm like, so I don't have diabetes? Like, you don't have diabetes. I'm like, and I'm, you're still fat. And then then the next station is lungs. And I, I had... The reason why I started the process is because I needed to go to the doctors because I was developing um, recurring um, uh, lung infections, and it was I was getting close to getting pneumonia once, and and I and I think I was getting I realized I was asthmatic, and they're like, you have a really low lung capacity, and I was like, yeah, because Paris is polluted, and I come from a clean air country, <laughs> and they're like. You're still fat. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then like the final station is that you actually see the doctor and she goes through your she goes through your different um things, your different like files. And so she like, like close the door behind you and that's like finally thing that you're private. And then she looks at my file and she's like, So what do you do for she's like, please remove your your clothes. I'm gonna escort you and like check your lungs and so on. I'm like, okay. And then I start taking off my clothes, but I'm like, it's winter, so I'm I'm I've got layers and I'm starting off my clothes and I'm halfway naked. And she's like, So what is what is your profession? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a I'm a musician. And she and I, and I stopped to say I'm a musician and she's like, I have to take off your clothes. God. <laughs> I am half naked. Why are you yelling at me? And I'm like, uh, okay. So I keep taking off my clothes. And then she like looks at my weight and she's like, you're fat. And I'm like, oh, come on. I was like, every single person that day called me fat for like oh no reason. God. And it didn't, it didn't change anything. It didn't like, it's like, they're like, you're going to be depending on, dependent on the state. You're going to, you're going to need all this medication. I'm like, yeah, I'm still fat and I'm still not diabetic and I still have low blood sugar <laughs> 13 years later and whatever. Wait, I do want to ask you, um, regarding gay Paris, when people go on dates, you, do you notice like PDA between straight couples? Like, I want to know how prevalent gay PDA is in Ooh, Paris. Oh, that's a great question. Oh, um, it's gone up. I think there's just like more queers or like there's more queers that are out. Yeah, and like this, um, from when I first moved, people were like, "Oh, I'm not out at my job or something." Um, so I first moved because I, I got discovered on MySpace. So my first friends were nice. like queers from MySpace, and notably this couple that is no longer together. Obviously, this couple that opened a a little um, queer and feminist um, 
CD shop, like a music shop, like a queer music, like a feminist, like riot girl inspired yeah. culture shop called Gals Rock that was in Pigalle. And they're still friends yeah. with me. Um, Ooh, I like that area. And yeah, yeah, yeah Pigalle's <laughs> pretty cool. It's it's very much gentrified these days and it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had this little shop that was really cool. And I'm, I had, I remember Clemence before working at Gals Rock was working in the thing and was like, I just told my boss I'm gay. And it was like a really big deal. And whereas now it's a lot more open. Like there's a lot more queer characters on TV shows that are cool. Like um, 10% is a really big show. And like one of the the, the lead character is is a lesbian. And everyone's like, oh, Camille Cotin plays, like the actress is straight apparently, but she plays like a really cool French lesbian. And the French lesbian bougie sort of aesthetic is just like the, like, a cool blazer, a shirt, like a, a classic button-up shirt that is like silk or something and like high-waisted pants, high-waisted like wide leg pants and like zero jewelry or like just like one statement watch or something. So yeah. Bette Porter? Earrings. <laughs> Bette Porter. A Bette young Porter, Bette Porter. Yeah. Had she been white, had she been whiter, yeah. um, would classic lesbian... Um, Classic French lesbian bougie style. I mean, there's yeah. like plenty of different archetypes of French lesbians these days. And um, uh, we should talk about like stuff like the fun stuff, like parties and stuff. Um, Before we get to fun stuff, I do want to ask you, what's the situation like with language in France now that there are a lot more non-binary people and people are pushing back against like traditional pronouns. And we got an email a couple of years ago from a listener who said, I'm a French woman working in construction uh, in the UK. I followed a training session at work uh, during inclusion week. They said about asking pronouns before starting a meeting, being good practice. I do get that, but not sure how we make it work in French. In English, it makes sense. In French, I don't know how it translates everyone and everything being either male or female. Yeah, everything's gendered. There's different ways of practicing, of having like non-binary um, pronouns. So the, the big one is yell, um, which is they. It's like a, it's a, it's a neological, it's a new word and so on. And so politi- the politician submitted a law proposal to fine people um, if they used that in, in like legal proceedings, like yell. What? Which is, yes, it was a, re- and so these, these um, feminist Instagram, French Instagram influencers had a really cute TikTok where they're like, it's a woman who's like heading to jail and she's like, I just wrote this essay. It's like, what are you in for? I just wrote an essay. Oh, I killed a man. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, nah. da, da, da. And, it, and it's, but it's getting bad. Like people are like, this is destroying the French language. But there's different ways of doing it, and um, one of the ways is just to like add add, add uh, dots and add just add an e to everything, so and an s, so that you don't know. I could just it's, it's called inclusive writing. Basically, there's ways of doing it. A lot of politicians and a lot of right wing people are just like, I hate it. It's disgusting. It's ugly. Um, a lot of activists are just doing it anyway. Like I do it in my, in my email, but there's inclusive writing. And then there's also people who are non-binary binary, generally ten, tend to put their pronouns and they're like, yell for they, that just means I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm choosing no pronouns with regardless or not 
I'm non-binary. Um, like yeah. a random thing, a random thing also is that France has um, their own version of Young M.A. And it's a rapper called um, Lala Ace. And Ooh. it's spelled like Lala, like ampersand uh, um, C.E. I don't know why it's an ampersand. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like. Oh, oh I see. I see. I'm like, and. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to say like Lala. And then they're like, no, it's Lala Ace. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I got to interview her for for a an Italian magazine. Ooh, French hip hop. And yeah. yeah but, uh, look for a song called Wet Drippin'. Okay. And, oh, and so see. it's been, she's been contested because she's been like criticized because she she's really sweet. I interviewed her. She's really sweet. But like in the media, she tends to to do stuff where she like, ugh, I don't like I don't like WAP the song WAP from Cardi B and so on because like it's just too too overtly sexual. And I was like, dude, you have a song called Wet Drippin'. Like, All right? yeah, and the first about- words of it, my bitch am trop le beef. Wait, mon mon gars ex am trop le shit. So my is she saying is she using gender? Neutral language there? No. Okay, just checking. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's exactly what you read. Okay, Um, for a second, I was like, is she doing Garth X, like Latin X, like? No, 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 not at all. And uh, (laughs) no, because it's not um, even Garth with an S. Okay, sorry, yeah, no, 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 don't worry about it. Um, and the so so it's really funny because in the I when I interviewed her, I'm like. Well, basically, the songs about pussy juice, wet, dripping, and yeah. and in the French, you have you have you have a word for pussy juice, which is cyprine, which I think is super cute. Wait, you gotta write and that so, down. Cyprine, so it's C Y P R I N E, and I love using that word because yeah. it's just so pretty. Cyprine, and I usually prefer words in other languages, like in German or in Spanish, and so on. And and I'm like that. This is one of my favorite words in French. I'm like Cyprine. I will say this word all day. I love it's, it. I'm gonna name my delightful. daughter that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, parties, gay parties in Paris, or is that or what? What's just the dyke scene? Yeah. What's the what's so the dyke walk scene us through in the Paris? Dyke scene. And, and then also, do you notice that some of the general um, French? homophobia um, has like translated into like internalized homophobia or have the people you dated seem like, you know, super good. With I, I think it's changed over time. I think it's changed over time. Yeah. And I think that um, it really depends on like what age range you're dating. And I don't really date anybody who's five feet, more than five years younger than me. Cause I find that weird. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never really liked dating people over their twenties anyway. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing was I got cussed out by someone recently because I said, oh, you have time. And she was like, how dare you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because you're in your 20s. So you have time to have this relationship that you're fantasizing. And so on. <laughs> and she was like, how dare you? This is ageism. And I got yelled at. Like, I find that some some of the baby queers are like really, are really intense. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's universal. I have, yeah. I don't have time for this. I'm like, I... <laughs> I mean, I, when I was you, I was hiding. I didn't, I didn't have this, this, this power of being able to be like, uh. um, I find that there's, uh, I wouldn't say there's a lot of internal, I think that the internalized homophobia would probably be from, from the, the, all the things I was talking about in terms of like being 
trying to be conventional. So like, I find Mm -hmm. there's like a really big set of queers that are around my age or who are in their forties who are just like very happy, have like owning their house, having a baby. And that's the one thing I keep mentioning, forget he mentioned, but there's no, they voted laws where like single women and lesbians, so single women, generally lesbians who are considered single, single women and um, trans folk can't get uh, procreation assistance. Les lois prennent la PMA, la procréation médicalement assistée. And they just voted this law like, we don't want single women to have, like, they really just want you to be, like, the only people who have access to procreation assistance is straight couples. And I think they included lesbian couples, like, if you if you are in a, in a registered partnership, mm-hmm. um, which is horrible. And a lot of a lot of people were were shocked. Ho- hopefully, like the whole community has like been has been has been like rallying together. But what I still find, what we still find in the lesbian community, is a lot of transphobia, and a lot of like very prominent uh, lesbian activists have proven themselves, or like feminist activists um, have proven themselves to be super transphobic. Yeah. So not really wanting any trans women to be included in the Dyke March not really wanting any trans men to be included in certain uh, discussions around feminism. Um, there was a, there's a podcast on national French radio that included uh, the, the, the narrative, like the story of the first registered, like the record, the courted trans man to be pregnant on record in France. Um, his name is Ali. It, it just came out last week. It's made by a really cool um, French, uh, radio documentarist called Clément Salazar, who's a lesbian as well, and has been doing a bunch of stuff. Um, I find that it's not that there's internalized homophobia. It's more like this, this pull towards really, if you follow conventions, people will accept you and life will stop being hard. And I, and I see that as it's, it's a, it's a really horrible way of seeing that, um, of thinking that you'll get accepted that way. Um, and it's a brutal way to stop this, but it's like a humorous podcast, but um, it, it's, it's, it's like this, this illusion of acceptance because it's like you finally ascribe to certain conventions because you've bought the house and you had the kids and right. you're in a, you're in a, um, a dual partnership and like, Um, and you're both femme, so like nobody is like butchy or anything. Nobody is like transgressing codes of like what femininity should be and so on. Like, I find that there are queers who are like this, and that's really upsetting. Um, and I, what I always say is like, you were given the opportunity to be fucking fabulous and to to provide the world with a, a radiance and a, a brilliance that is that colors it and that, that, that brings it so much. And we don't have to do anything to the world. We make the world better because of, dif- of difference and you choose to dumb it down right. so you can like slide into society. I don't get it. That's how I feel about it, France in general right now after this conversation. Well, right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I, th- I think the, the entire, the entire thing that can really be, um, summarized of what I, I feel about f- dating in France. And and I, I think now it's just dating in Paris because both people I'm dating are not from Paris, which I think is hilarious. But they, they Valerie Complex is like, you said you weren't dating anybody. And I'm like, you, I said nobody in Paris. And check it out. Didn't date anybody in Paris. Nobody in Paris asked me out. And one, and, and, and some, um, this really cool uh, account called Lesbien Raisonnable, 
which is also run by a lesbian um, journalist. And she's so funny. And she basically does like the, uh, she's basically the, the um, what's his name? Paris Hilton. She's the Perez. 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 She's the Perez Hilton of the lesbian community, but she's really cool and and very inclusive. And Ooh, which one's that? And so on. Lesbien raisonnable. So it's like lesbian, but in French, and the raisonnable because it sounds like espien raisonnable. Like, is this reasonable? But oh, lesbian, okay. <laughs> lesbian reasonable. And and so she she also has she also has a uh, newsletter. And so she she. She oh she also had with another newsletter that is about queer culture in France, which is called I Like That Newsletter, which is also by Aline, who is an ace, um, an, an, an ace member of the community who is uh, who has her own newsletter. And they had a podcast about the L word. But oh, the thing about Lauriane had a really cool, funny. Oh, Lauriane had a tweet and she said, she said, tell me you're a lesbian, but don't tell me you're without lesbian. Telling, yeah. right. Without telling me you're a lesbian. She did that meme. And so I posted a photo of like, like the last thirst trap I sent um, off my phone is like me working on sourdough. And like my hand is like with like full of like gross, like gooey sourdough. And I'm like, I sent, I send this to my crush. I'm like, look what this looks like. And, and then, and they really liked it. And then somebody wrote and comment, like I vomited in my mouth. And then I'm like, well, my crush really liked it. And I'm like, and then I posted something. I'm like, I don't get normie queers. Like, this is a really... Like sending somebody a hand that looks like you, it's like literally, like you just fucked a giant. (laughs) (laughs) I find hilarious. But a lot of normie queers are like, oh, that is like vile. And I I don't, and for me, that was super violent because like it was, it was completely uncalled for. Like, if you don't like it, why are you commenting? You're not even following me. (laughs) And, and, And I didn't get it. But there's like this, this need for some people to really like, put you back on the like acceptability um, uh, highway right. and acceptability won't get you anywhere. And I only like to hang around queers who like to fuck shit up. And there's plenty of queers who do that here. Yeah. <sighs> I, I want to end on like a, on a positive note. Cause I know we've been like really critical. I know we just, we just right, trash friends for like, so, but what, what's the best thing about being gay in Paris? Uh, I like the gay nod in Paris. That's one thing that's really cool. Then there's there are a the few gay nod. Bars. Is that what you said? Like the yeah, the gay nod. The like tilt. Like you know, yeah. You when you recognize, and you know what? There's like a really long history of like the biggest lesbian club called the Pulp. If you guys need to read about this, because there's this really cool DJ called DJ Sex Toy. There's an author who actually wrote like all of these books about the whole community around it. One of my really close friend is Dana Wise, who is an artist who who used to make zines about that that culture and now she she's she's like a lesbian in her 50s and so we 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 chat all the time and now she just makes these fake pills that are like make your cat sing like Celine Dion which is the most <laughs> lesbian art you could possibly do and it has all these like old timey vintage thing and they're fake pills but she used to make zines about lesbian culture in the 90s and i find that lesbian culture in the 90s in france is really cool and radical and there's plenty of lots of interesting things um and there's plenty of interesting Un, like uh, underground lesbian culture that I really enjoy. Um, but I find that because it was like with the coming of a like, gay marriage and so on, when I'm thinking people should totally get married. It's just that you don't have that, um, you don't have the opportunity of, of getting as many people who are trying to transgress and who are trying to do stuff radically. And there's still people who are doing it and there's still marches and there's still thingies, but it's just like, they're a lot less visible. And I'm really enjoying seeing 
people who are like baby, baby gays, like Gen Y, Gen Z, who are fucking shit up and, and doing things that are fun on TikTok, but there's not enough yet. It's more and yeah. more. We'll be monitoring the situation. But yeah, uh, the the biggest lesbian bar you need to hang out, which is like now has bougie lesbian night that are in their like late 30s, 40s. Um, this is my friend's DJ there is, uh, it's called Le Rosa Bonheur and it's owned by the old, the, the old owners of the, that's the place I read the, about that I wanted to what's go What's it called? Yeah. It's really cool. It's called Le Rosa Bonheur. Okay. And there's a bunch, and, and now they have like, they have one in a other part of Paris that is like on the Seine. They have the Rosa sur Seine and it's no gay people go there because it's not in a gay neighborhood. It's just like. People who are like, I'm going to lesbian club, but it's all straight people. Yeah, <laughs> it's really messed up. And you have like the occasional queers who have like, there's a table of queers that'll be there because they're they happen to be in the neighborhood or they happen to live there. But it's hilarious. Like there's there's still lesbian bars, um, and there's still gay bars, but you know everything's closed right now. And it's just that um, it's hard to stay open. Like just like everywhere in the world. Like right. I'm guessing in the U.S., the 15 last lesbian bars that are open. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. There's an always new. There's an oh and there's a new one that opened, Lorlines. Um, uh, I, I I just really wanted to shout them out, and now I'm forgetting the name of her shop. Um, I, I will send it to you, and please shout it out in the outro, okay. in the, like when you recap, and and I'll, I'll do that. But like I'm, I just realized that like I I I really wanted to shout out a few people, and um, and it's unfortunate that I didn't shout out Lorlines shop. La Constellation. La Constellation is a. This is me like shouting out people, but I really want them. If you're coming to Paris, and yes, you want give to us some recommendations. That is started by a fat queer who um, uh, is in a lesbian relationship and who has a vegan, like vegan food, a bunch of events. You can check it out. It's a really cool spot. And I recommend it to anybody who wants like a lesbian bar that isn't just based around drinking Amazing. because they don't serve alcohol. Oh. Yeah, cool. like the, 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 there's more spots opening that are like not because queers are realizing like our culture can't just be taking drugs and drinking. Right, and right. No, that's definitely dr- something that's drunk. happening. Yeah. And I will definitely check that out because my girlfriend has never been and really wants me to take her there. And whenever it's safe to, I want to go. I want to meet up with you and I want to go there. Yeah, yes, we'll be I'm back the best, for sure. I'm the best lesbian up. tour guide. I am the best lesbian tour guide. I'm taking you up on that. Yeah. Melissa, where can people follow you on social media? Where can they listen to their music? Where do you get the biggest uh, checks for people <laughs> checking you out? The biggest checks. We want you to you get, get royalties. Get I, I started my own a publishing company. And so I make the most money off of my music on Bandcamp. But don't buy any of my old albums because I left my old label. I have this one song mm-hmm. that I published um, called Non Point La Vie Encore, which is the song that Melody heard on uh, yeah. on Instagram on on Spotify playlist. It was really made me funny and made me laugh when you said, "Oh, I was listening to Durando playlist," yeah. and I was like, "Is that one Durando song that all the lesbians have been making TikToks with?" Oh, have <laughs> they? Which one is yes. it? The one that's all about like I'm so that song. I have no idea. I've been seeing like a thousand lesbian make TikToks with that one song, and I was like. It'd be so oh, cool if people found so me funny. via that's, like the, yes. they just listen to that. How I and found so, you. So you can buy me buy my music that one song on Bandcamp. Uh, you can listen um, to every week. I post uh, a 
I post a, a lullaby. Um, a lull- it's a fake lullaby, but I, I cover a cheesy song or a song that I really liked from my childhood. Yes, uh, or the nineties. So um, and then thank you. And then uh, I also I'm I'm on Twitter. I post way too much stuff on Twitter. And but you can find me on uh, Instagram at Melissa Laveau and uh, and on Facebook. But I I just post the this like French French stuff, French tours. Um, on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, I'm there and, um, I'm on TikTok, but I haven't posted it. I can just post like extracts of songs and I really want to start a project where I like discover, like as an, as an old person, discover all the gay, the gayness of songs that I didn't figure out. Like I didn't Mm. realize that Beth Beth Giffen's was, 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 was queer. And there's that one song where she just mentions like that she's gay and I'm like, I'll, I'll leave my heart for all the other girls to play. And I'm like, what? Beth Givens has been gay this whole time. And like, and, I, and it, it was in the song. And like, we're just singing, like it's in Give Me a Reason. No, definitely to, do that project. You posted a TikTok video where you yeah. realized Portishead, that song exactly, Portishead. was gay. Well, and yeah, I didn't yeah, realize exactly. either. So thank you for the work that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I should be writing an album. But um, but yeah, I, I I do that. I'm, I'm, I'm on social media. If you, I don't write, back a lot often because a lot of people have are sending me some really weird messages but um <laughs> guys it got dark real fast <laughs> Sorry. but other than that I try to I try to respond pretty quickly uh and I'm happy to respond to people nice so your dms are open but they're discerning yeah I I I skim a lot <laughs> some people might need you to spell out some of the things that you said in your beautiful accent bravo Oh, bravo. A tout à l'heure, Melissa. <laughs> I said that at the end of the interview, and I was like, do people even say that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Let's get to our listener question, shall we? Oui. Oui. Oh, way. That's my favorite. Way. 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 This week's listener question is, how do you make inner peace with yourself after knowing you were someone's rebound? How do you forgive yourself for not listening to your gut? Yes, this question was paired with a lot of backstory, but it's really the question itself that's more universal, I think, and relevant to everybody that we can just talk about um, because people have been in this situation before. I have. Big time. Which side were you on? Were you the I was the rebounder. Okay. Reboundee. It it is a terrible feeling. I get it. But you also need to not let yourself be the victim. It's still like a valid relationship, which you can control the narrative of. Um, Did you, you know, go into it knowing that you were the rebound or thinking that you could be? The signs were clear. Yeah. <laughs> this person had just gotten out of a two-year relationship um, and was single for maybe a month or two before we started dating. Yep. And it, was something that they made me aware of that I it was I was like I don't care <laughs> right. like I'm going to I'm gonna make you love me like I <laughs> really stayed in that so much longer than I should have it turned into this incredibly emotionally abusive situation um I ignored a lot of red flags but uh you know a lot of shitty feelings tied to that relationship but I can isolate the shitty feeling of being the rebound person and 
just like that hollow feeling you're left with after it's over and being really frustrated with yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I asked you that because I feel like in most scenarios, the people who are the rebounds know they're the rebounds. Like they're aware of it. And so did this listener kind of thought they might be. And the other person uh, assures you that you're not in some instances and in some other ones, they might be more upfront, but, uh, and so I can see that if this person's like, no, you're not a rebound. I'm so into you. This is great. I see a future with you that you might be really salty with them uh, after it being clear that you actually were a rebound. But I'm even though I've been the the rebound and had some like really fucked up uh, experiences tied to that, like being cheated on with <laughs> said ex that they oh. were <laughs> rebounding from. Uh, you were the Jody. Oh my God, I was the Jody. You were the Jody. I was the Jody, and I missed out on the opportunity to uh, put art. out art. <laughs> and I do think, though, because I've seen other people go through it, that the person who's rebounding, I think a lot of the times they honestly don't realize they're rebounding or they're lying to themselves and they are genuinely excited to be with you. Uh, it's just like that they haven't had like the time and space to completely close one door to be able to healthily um, open another. So if they're still hung up on someone, but they know it's like over and, you know, they think that they'll get over it eventually and then they're finding uh, a lot of happiness by being with you. I I don't always think it's malicious. So I see how you can be angry and I've also been angry about it. But being angry about like their intent, I don't think the intent's always bad. And I don't see any reason in being like extra angry about it. Like, But you're angry it, with yourself too. Yeah, how do you forgive yourself for not listening to your gut? When I started dating Cecilia, I thought we were just rebounds for each other. Oh. And I don't think there was anything Allie was supposed to be my rebound. Yeah. From I this mean, relationship that I was rebound, I was the rebound. Like <laughs> Right. You you don't you don't always know like what something is going to turn into. Like like I thought, you know, Cecilia, we were clearly rebounds. And she's like, I never thought that you were just a rebound. I'm like, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a pleasant surprise that you weren't. And and it wasn't that I wasn't over my ex. It was just like it was so close to, to that happening. Um, but I, I think it's OK to forgive yourself. You're not doing anything bad because you never know. You know, sometimes you go in thinking you're going to be the rebound and then you get married to that person and it works out. Well, so I, I think it's better to just be like open and heartbreak is a part of life and living and experiencing and, and growing and whatnot. So, you know, don't beat yourself up because now you learn something. And now uh, the next time you're with someone and you think that maybe you're the rebound, maybe you can communicate up top and, and set your boundaries and decide whether or not you really want to do this again, you know? Right. There's something to be learned from every relationship. Um, yeah. And you ask, you know, how do you forgive yourself? You just do. Like, you just tell. It's a lot of, like, affirmations. It's a lot of, like, gratitude lists and journal. And just, like, making yourself aware of what's good, what you've learned. And you just, you, ha you have to tell yourself that you're, you're forgiving yourself. 
Like yeah. it really sometimes is as simple as that. Just like that constant mindfulness about the situation. Well, our question well is drying up. I think we've been getting a lot of questions on Wizio and Jemmy and not as many through our dikingout at gmail.com, which, you know, they're for different things. But if you have a, a general question that isn't super specific, then hit us up, dikingout at gmail.com. We can't wait to answer it. And it doesn't have to be. I was just going to say. It does not have to be relationship questions. Is that what yeah. you're going to say? Yeah. It, it could just anything. be like, does this shirt go? <laughs> Do no. you really think that Cara Delevingne and Jaden Smith are dating? No, they're just friends who spent Valentine's Day together. Like, those are the questions that we're also <laughs> here for. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to know our opinion on something? We would love to give it to you. So hit us up, diking out at Gmail. Dot com. Uh, why don't you give a little boost to our algorithm at Diking Out on Instagram? Find us on Twitter uh, at Diking Out or find me at TGI Carolyn and like my tweets where I defend my use of the word dyke. But don't attack anybody else. We don't need pylons. Not looking for a pylon, just looking mm-hmm. for a, a little love. No, no, no. And you can follow me at Melody Kamali. I figured out how to make a reel and I might do it again. <gasps> gasp. I'm That's so excited. That's a millennial gasp right there. <gasps> you made a reel. How'd you do that? You know, late in the show announcement, there's going to be a lot more content coming out from us uh, in the coming weeks, even. And we're going to tell you all about that soon. But uh, stay tuned. We are going to be churning out the Dyke content. Should we end this thing? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Thanks for diking out with us this week. And we will see you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.